Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the Shadow of the GM podcast, with me, your host, GM Shadow. Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to episode 11 of the Shadow of the GM podcast. Um, this one's going to be a little different. It was kind of inspired by a call-in from Jason, which I'll get to just before we sort of head off the show. But before that, some other call-ins from Jason and some others from my previous podcast. Hey, Barry, it's Joe, and dude, I am absolutely ready to geek out and get into Romance of the Perilous Lands. That was an awesome review, dude, and yeah, I just can't wait to get after it. One thing I wanted to mention that uh, you didn't really touch on in the magic system is that starting at first level, uh, cunning folk can cast any and every spell in the book, up to and including like ninth, and I think there might even be 10th level spells. So it's dangerous. Um, but the fact that you're able to do that, I think is, that's amazing. I think that's such a cool, cool uh, take on magic. So anyway, dude, fantastic stuff and peace out. That was Joe there from Hindsightless Podcast. Yeah, I always forget something. There's always something you miss when you do a review, isn't there? Uh, thanks for the, the sort of bumping up on the review. I actually kind of didn't like that review when I did it, as weird as that might sound. I'm very tempted to do an alternative Romance of the Powerless Land review and do it a bit more in my natural style. I felt it was a little bit unnatural for me the way I did it, kind of going through the book systematically like that. But I want to kind of give it a good going over from the point of view it was in there. You're absolutely right. Um, it's where it, based on a spell cost system and you get a number of spell points equal to your mind attribute so as long as you've got at least an attribute of 10 you can in theory prepare ninth level spells um, in the game of course it depends on your role depends if you want to max out at that level on those ones but you know like you said you can take the punt and really attempt it at those really low levels it doesn't kind of limit you and it's not the only system that does that there are a few others i can't remember any of them off the top of my head but i do remember other systems where it has rules for like casting above your level etc you know you can do it in D off scrolls and things but there are other systems where the limit's not actually your casting level it's not Vantian in that sense it's based on like attribute roles etc and the harder the role is based on the harder level so it's not unique in that but yes and I do sort of like those systems as well it's like it seems a bit arbitrary the whole level system about how you can cast things so yeah I do get it um, and I do uh, it is a bit of a shame that I missed that one but thanks for pointing it out so you know I wonder if I can go back and edit it in or at least might just do it in my alternative review and add it in but <laughs> always good to hear from you Joe yes geeking out about rule systems it's what we do I think we'll go to the pub where they talk about offside rules and football etc we get together and we go on about you know how magic works in certain systems and what the sort of you know dice rolling parabola statistics are around different you know dice sets whether it's 3d6 or d20 because you know that's what you do when you into something you get into the neon integrity detail okay on to my next call-in hey this is jason again wow i never realized how tired i sound when i call in maybe i need to stop calling in on the way to and from work when i'm dead tired huh so anyway i really enjoyed your review of romance paris land i thought you did good coverage of it like colin and it sounds maybe like you i'm a little leery of the leveling up things the idea that the challenge levels go up as the characters level up, it seems kind of artificial. I don't know. Um, I'm waiting for my hard copy, so I actually haven't read it. I just heard what you guys have said, but it should be here. Or it should be the PO box. I need to go by there and see if it's there. Anyhow, I um, you know, if you do organize a game, I'd be very interested in playing in it. So, and I'm looking forward to playing Second Edition D&D with you here in a couple days. And good job getting those special guests. They did a good job. Talk to you later.
Hi, Jason there. Thanks for calling about the review. Yeah, never worry about calling in. I don't care if you sound tired or not. At the end of the day, you know, I've got four children, so I must always sound exhausted. I certainly always feel tired. Um, so don't worry about that. Uh, I was rather that you ring and at least we get to chat. Um, yeah, it feels like me and you and Joe should just get together and do Romance of the Paris Land. I wonder if we can get an actual play together. Um, although, given that I can't even get the second edition AD&D game off the ground at the moment, that's maybe something to hold on to to see if I can get my scheduling worked out. Um, I mean, it has to be said that we'll talk a little bit later that when you're calling about, obviously, what stop that game from going ahead um, but yeah I'm really interested in getting a rant to the Perilous Land game up and running um, I want to try Paleomythic at some point in time which is another Osprey game which is a very it's a dice pool system very different again um, so you know I'll be up for some interest and some one shots when that comes along and you know I want to get on the ICRPG one shot with you at one point in time at least and I'm trying to get on to you know, Che's GURPS game as well we'll talk a little bit about later so you know not you know obviously keeping myself very busy when I don't have any time to do anything but you know let's see how I get there yeah absolutely those special guests are amazing and speaking of that, my name is Colin is trying to work out who those special guests were. I know who that dog is. <laughs> or at least I think I know who it is. I think that's M- Matty. I think that dog is Matty. <laughs> okay. um, it's, uh, it's Andy Goodman from Expeditions to the Barracks. Uh, Did it again. Expeditions to the Grizzly Peaks. And... Um, and I'm pretty sure that, that was Jason's dog, Matty. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that's my guess. I would recognise that bark anywhere. Ooh, Andy, 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 mate. You weren't quite barking up the wrong tree, but I'm afraid you're only 50% right. As Jason put it on the tag, it was actually a laddie and a gadget who were barking in that one. But yes, you're right, they are quite distinctive on there now. And it was really good to hear that on your show as well. You see, you've added them to the end of your podcast as well. They're becoming celebrities in their own right. Maybe we should just do like, you know, pet sounds podcast for everyone. That might be the next step. It's the next logical iteration from RPGs, clearly. But uh, no, it's good to share these things. Is what we talk about a lot. We're like the in-jokes are kind of going around in our community. Um, also, I'm used to hear you getting your own podcast name wrong. You know, I would laugh even hard at that if it hadn't been for the fact that I've gone on record during the convention we had at Burton-on-Trent to actually say that my podcast was called Shadow of the DM when it's actually Shadow of the GM. You know, what can I say? I can't even get my own podcast name right, so I'm definitely not going to criticise anyone else. Although none of it's still so far beats on guard of trevor which is becoming the nice go around and i think that's now going to be shandy andy's new show name forever and ever going on um yeah in my own defense it i used to be shadow of the dm or dm shadow back in the day until a few people told me that i needed to change it or i should change it because wizards of the coast might come and sue me i've not actually seen any litigation come away from my using the word dm instead of gm when i've been talking about things that aren't dnd so i don't really know if it's a little bit of scaremongering in those parts but we'll see so yeah anyway good to hear from you Andy. good to hear you listening in as well so you always have to take it on faith that people listen to my show um when i don't actually get call-ins from people but you know the the audio dungeon people seem to talk about it and the fact is i do get my um figures obviously from the podcast as well they're interested in my romance of the paris land so far is not doing that well but to be fair i've not put it on twitter yet i've not kind of tagged it to scott as well who might promote it mostly because i wasn't sure i was happy with it like i said earlier um and i might wait till i've done the alternative one or i might just take a punt and do it anyway um because today who cares i just like recording these things for the fun of it it doesn't really matter how many people listen you know even as long as one person's listening to it or just listen to myself you know it's the way it goes anyway without further ado move on to my last caller before we get onto the main body of the show it's Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. You know, I've been listening um, to a past episode this morning and you're talking about house rules. 
And it's funny because I haven't played games enough to know much about that, but I'm such a purist about some things. Like if I start reading a book, I'm going to finish that book no matter how much I dislike it. It's just one of those weird quirks of my personality. And so I think for me, I would always rather play a game with all the rules intact first and realize I haven't played a ton of games. But I think that cons are nice for that. I've been to a couple of conventions with my husband and it's nice because at cons I notice I think every game I've played in has been run by the rules. So certainly after playing in a game I might think oh man that was really hard to deal with. But I am happy that I got to play it by the rules first. Anyway have a good one. Hi Lauren, good to hear from you again. Um, yeah, playing by the rules. I mean, it made me laugh when you talked about reading books. So many, so many bad novels, bad series of novels, even started series, like 10 book series, and ended up forcing myself to finish them because I've started them and I want to get to the end of them, even though they might be awful. Um, because like you, I think I just kind of feel that need that I've now started, I want to finish it to get through. And talking about playing games by the rules, um, I do house rule a lot after a while, but I also kind of, as you said, the first time I play a game, I try and faithfully stick to the rules as much as possible. Because what I try not to do, I think, when I run a game is that I might read a rule and think that doesn't make sense or why would you do it that way? And I kind of want to play it to see if it makes sense because I think you can't always get a judge of a rule just by reading it off a page I think you have to play with it and get a sense of how it's meant to work and the advantage of the internet these days as well is you can even go online and speak to people and find out you know are you doing it right is there a way it's meant to be done and sometimes even the developer of the game will chip in and tell you and you get more of a sense then of how it's meant to work and maybe you just misunderstood it etc and it kind of maybe clicks and if after that you feel it doesn't and it gets in the way like a lot of designers will also tell you just drop it and change it don't use it you know it's there as like their idea and they'll explain to you usually why it's there and why they think you should have it but you can change them and so i do like the idea of playing games at least once as the rules are written um when I'm planning on running the one-shots for the D&D games with Shandy Andy and Jason, I'm planning on sticking as much as possible to the main rules and not pulling in a lot of the house rules I'd normally use because I don't feel it make it a fair comparison between how the editions were written. So like an example of that is that in second edition, the clerics all had to prepare all their spells in advance. So like every day you wake up in the morning, you pray, you pick your spells for the day and that's the ones you've got. Now... That changes in third edition slightly where you do that, but then you can spontaneously cast based on the domain that your religion is certain spells. Like if you've got like a healing one, you can kick out any spell and bring in like a cure light wounds instead, which means you then don't have to memorize curing spells. You can memorize all these utility spells and just change one to a healing spell if and when you need it. Now, when I actually play second edition, I play clerics as completely free casting uh, whenever I run it. So basically, clerics don't memorize spells every day. They have an allocation of spells throughout the day, and they can pick and choose where and when they want to use whichever ones they want. And the reason being that clerics... I used to play a lot of clerics in D&D, and I did it with the, the proper rules where you had to memorize them. And it was a pain in the backside having to pick healing spells nine times out of ten for everything. But the fact is there were some of the cool spells in. Sometimes I did take a punt on, you know, having some like bless and prayer, for example, and chant and things were quite good ones. Um, and so we did use those. Um, but it was a bit of a thing about, oh, why'd you take those really to the healing spell? And I felt that was a bit annoying as a cleric. So when I DM'd it, I allowed them free casting. And it was quite a popular house rule kicking around actually at the time. Now the issue is that if I bring that into the one shots, 
that means it's not really a true example of how third edition attempted to deal with that and how fourth edition attempted to deal with it and how fifth edition attempted to deal with that. So when I run them, I will try and stay faithful to the rules, but bear in mind that when you actually play those games, you can pull all the stuff, and I would really recommend people do that, pull things from later editions into your previous editions. If you hate descending armor class, flip it round. It's not hard to do. People have gone about the probabilities behind stuff. It's rubbish. You can quite easily change AC to positive and change Thackos into attack bonuses that will then give you exactly the same probabilities to hit all the creatures. It's not really difficult. The math is not that hard, really, and you can change it. It's more work for the DM to do it, but at the end of the day, if it's easier for the player, that works better. It's not difficult. You can create your own tables, etc around it anyway i won't go off and rant to that it feels like i rant for another day but basically to say i am like you i do like to play rules as written at least once to get the experience of how it was meant to be played but then i will tweak and tinker with it after that i think it probably happens in con games a lot because in con games you don't know who you're going to get and you can't really sit down with a big massive folder as some people have of house rules and talk them through all the house rules and it's easier if everyone comes with the same basic knowledge of we're playing the base game to play it that being said, when I went to play with um, John Alan Large of Red Dice Diaries at Burton at the weekend, he was playing 5th edition, but without the death saving throws. Now, I guess as an old schooler from back in the day and played lots of other old school games, that didn't really phase me at all. Made the game very deadly, but he just threw out there, that's what we were doing. I was like, fine, and just ran with it. So, you know, we do see some con games where they don't have that in there, but, you know, but we kept the main 5th edition sort of rule set in there. So, yeah. But, yeah, I feel like we're probably quite similar in that sense that, you know, we do like to see those games play out as they're meant to be written. And I read rule books from start to finish. Lots of books say, oh, you don't have to, but I always do. I read them from back to front to get a good sense of what's in there. Um, and I will run games as much as I can. As a little guess, side note about some of that, I remember when I actually ran 3rd edition for the first time, I didn't use the attack of opportunity rules the first time I ran it because I was trying to get a bunch of second edition people into it and it felt like that was a bit step too far with all the changes in there that was a bit of a step too much A for me as a DM to manage the first time we played it and B for them to take but then when I changed it the second time I went around and started playing again I brought that rule back in and it kind of explained it well I told them at the time it was meant to be there and kind of explained what it was and then we brought it in they were kind of fine with it so yeah so I do sometimes even when I start new games maybe tweak it but there's a majority of things that was more because it was a big massive change between systems for that for the players Wow, that, that random response to that column was almost as long as the rest of my podcast, so I think I shall leave it there. Um, and so from that on, we shall move on to Jason again, calling in that basically prompted the main thing for the show. Hey, this is Jason, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Just want to mention, on the Audio Discord today, Audio, Dis- Audio Dungeon Discord, we were discussing the idea of different games, and I mentioned about, you know, it'd be nice to stick to just one game to play all your genres in. And I think you made a comment about that. And then we thought back about, you know, you're talking about getting your family into role-playing, and we had you and I had talked about that a little bit on messages on your show earlier. And I do think that's an intriguing concept that, you know, Che Webster's talked about before. That's one of the reasons he did GURPS for a while, was the idea of picking just one system and mastering it. And I do think there's a lot of value there. And maybe that's worth a podcast and to see what kind of callings you get regarding that. I don't know. But I, I do think, as much as we all like to read different systems, there's value in mastering one system. So, and, and if you pick the right system, you can definitely use it for everything. GURPS is the obvious answer, right? But it doesn't have to be GURPS. There are other systems that do everything really well. GURPS has all the great source books, but you can use those source books with any system. ICRPG might be the latest that does everything really well. 
Savage Worlds can do everything. BRP can. BRP falls apart with like size. Some like you have big size differences and stuff, but you can make it work. Um, but yeah, there are definitely ways to do it. And I also want to say happy birthday. I hope everything went. I, I know there's some sickness in the house today, but I hope you had a good birthday. I'm sorry we didn't get to play second edition D and D, but I'm looking forward to playing that with you. And um, yeah, I hope everything's going okay. So I'll talk to you soon. First of all, I want to say thanks for the birthday wishes. Um, yeah, um, it was a bit of a washout my birthday. Unfortunately, everyone was ill. It was raining. The weather wasn't very good. Um, I went upstairs most of the house and spent most of the day doing DIY, catching up on the jobs I don't manage to do at the weekend. So it wasn't exactly exciting. But I mean, fortunately, we had had the time at the weekend to go to um, Burton upon Trent to go to the sci-fi and fantasy convention there. And I got to play with uh, John Large of the Red Dice Diaries and do a bit of... Um, his 5e osr kind of take for barromaze so you know in some ways that was my little birthday outing really um which is good fun i really enjoyed it got to meet pete and um, shandy andy there as well so that was quite a good fun time so thanks for the birthday wishes um and the main thing about this column that i've added here is that this is really the crux of my talk today i'm going to have a talk a little bit about this idea of having one system and sticking to one system so let's get into it So, trying to find one system to run everything. This is something that um, Joe Richter mentioned in one of his podcasts and commented, and it's this quest for fire, looking for this one system that we can use to play all our games and, you know, do it. I have heard criticism in the past. Some people have said you should play a game for whatever setting you're playing, and it's about the idea that the mechanics or the mechanisms should theme themselves around it. Now, whilst I do sort of get that to some degree, I also don't really like that idea for the simple reason that if I change groups and play groups over again and again over time, you have to teach people new games. And <clears throat> what I've noticed with the players these days is that they don't really have, I don't know, it's the attention span, the time or whatever to kind of get into it. They don't like the idea of changing game systems. They kind of want to learn a system and then just run with it. And so, you know, that tends to be D&D more than anything else because, again, that's what everyone's heard of and all the rest of it. And I have made them jump around and do different editions and things, but, you know, even with the different editions, generally the core mechanics are the same. And it was interesting on the Audio Dungeon Discord, as you mentioned, that Colin Green even said that he talked about how he'd played 27 different games, I think, last year, and his experience at the end of them all was more or less the same. <clears throat> and this comes back to something I'd said, again, in a previous podcast, that I'm a lot more system neutral than I used to be. I kind of don't feel like the game system makes a massive difference to the experience. And it comes a lot from listening to other actual players as well, where that the GM style and how the GM presents the world seems to have a greater influence on the style of the game than the actual mechanisms behind it. I see people play lots of crunchy games like Pathfinder and D&D, and they hardly ever roll any dice. Like They really just drive it by the story. <clears throat> Likewise, things like the storyteller system white wolf system which is meant to be very story driven but it really isn't it's very much a dice pull game and people end up rolling dice for every little thing under the sun and really it's it's the thing that i don't think the game itself drives style of play and therefore the style of player you could argue for example that with pathfinder and 3.5 if you advertise those games say in roll 20 and you've got people who like those games it maybe attracts the kind of people who like the crunchy systems who want to do lots of dice rolling and things but in actual fact the game system itself, if you set ahead of time what kind of game you want to run and what you want to do, I don't think the system really drives it. You kind of you can set that yourself as a GM. Now, to get onto the ones you talked about, GURPS is kind of the obvious choice, and not just the obvious choice, but GURPS is a system I used to play a lot back in the 90s. I think it was still 
want to say second edition back then. I know it did have third eventually, but I don't think I ever ran third edition. Um, and one of the people I used to game with all the time, he used to go on and on about it. He was a bit like, GURPS this, GURPS that. To the point where we kind of go like, oh, so I've gone on about GURPS. <coughs> but in actual fact, when my brother at the time ran it, he didn't really run games anymore, but he did back then. He ran GURPS. Did actually have a really fun time with it. My only real criticism with GURPS had been that as a system to get into and build characters, I felt it was very complex. There's a lot of complexity behind it. Now, I don't have an issue with complexity. I've said it before and I'll say it again. As a player, I don't mind complexity as long as I can read through the rule books and get some sense and work out things I don't mind. Tinkering with concepts and working to points buys and taking things and adding things away and all the rest of it. But it does consume a lot of time. And I think from a new player perspective, it's a barrier. And I think that's the key to me that <clears throat> what I find is a barrier to running GURPS games is that character creation process and trying to get people to build characters. Now, if you're doing a one-shot, you can do your pre-gens and it's not so bad. You can throw something together. I don't think the mechanics, the mechanisms behind GURPS is particularly that bad. A lot of stuff is optional. A lot of the combat rules are very optional. You can strip things back down. There's also GURPS Light and GURPS Ultra Light if you want to bring it down to real basics and you can run those. I remember many years ago, <coughs> I ran a GURPS Discworld game that was pretty much a one-off, one-shot, and actually we had a really good time. Even had people build characters for that, and actually it was quite quick when we did it. What's pulling me back around to GURPS is when I started looking into some of the 4th edition stuff that was out there and some of the dungeon fantasy things. It's the idea of these template builds. So it takes away the kind of decision paralysis I used to see around GURPS when you're presented with all these different advantages, disadvantages, all these things around spells. Everyone's a bit like, oh, where do you start? How do you build it? All the rest of it. And most of the core builds there. And I guess to me it kind of reflects back to this whole, the character class system. It's almost like, you know, you're helping people along with this character class system. But what it means as well is that if you get someone who does understand GURPS, they're not limited by that, they could actually, if you let them to it, build their own character from scratch if they know the system. But new players coming in are kind of helped along by this process. Now, again, it's not as easy, I do feel. Some of the advantages I found around things like D&D was that you give people some dice, you get them to roll, they roll up some stats, they plop them in, they pick a character class and, like, you know, picks a few things, buy some weapons and off you go. And it is a lot faster, I feel, to get things set up fairly quickly. Again, depends on the system, depends on how much detail, but again, you can strip systems back to the bare bones a lot of the time. And I guess, <clears throat> as I'm getting older and wiser and feel like actually I could probably do the same with GURPS, I could actually probably strip GURPS down as much as I can and also really simplify the build process where people make them pick less things and kind of help them bolt on things together or even design it themselves. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of leaning back towards GURPS because I've always liked GURPS from the point of view of how flexible <coughs> it is and sort of how much it sort of like, you know, can cover different worlds in different settings and there's lots of different splat books for the information about it. Although I do sometimes slug off splat books when talking about other editions. You know, I am very tempted by it from that perspective. Um, ICRPG, to move on to that one, I am also very tempted by that as a much more, again, it presents itself as a lot more generic toolkit um, around doing different games from different settings and it gives examples from fantasy and there's lots of sci-fi versions as you know modern day ones in there as well and so i'm quite tempted by icrpg um and you know i do want to play test it and play a few games maybe i can get onto the altered state one i'm definitely up for i've been listening to loads of muse the new album just to get me into the whole cyberpunky kind of feel <clears throat> but you know i kind of reserve judgment till i've played it um i guess from my point of view is that i'm not sure it would suit me as much for long campaigns and I feel GURPS might do better. Um, I like GURPS as well because it's not level-based. ICRPG isn't either level-based. Um, so again, they both kind of tick some boxes around that one. I also noticed the White Hack when I was looking to that a few weeks ago that that again is kind of a more generic toolkit and that again would be quite simple to kind of get straight into games and things. But again, I don't know if it kind of suits what I feel I'd like from longer campaigns. But with these things, I do want to try them and give them a go. 
<clears throat> I don't think I'll stop playing other systems. I think regardless of whether I actually do focus on one, I still like to get experience with other systems because apart from anything else, you learn little tricks from them and little ideas about doing things differently that you can then pinch and add in. Um, like I said, I'm really keen to do Romance of the Perilous Land just to give it a go. And again, you could, in theory, this is where you get down to it when you kind of play enough games. You can take the core structures from any of like the Black Cat games or Romance of the Perilous Land or you know even D&D and you can strip out all the non-fantasy things and chuck in you know sci-fi versions or modern-day versions. But I guess it doesn't really do what you want it to do. I did veer away from complexity recently, and I think I've done that more, to be honest, for the sake of players that I'm trying to get into the game rather than that's what I'd prefer to GM. <clears throat> I have had some of the bad experiences I've said around 3rd edition and Pathfinder about some of the players in there, but again, if I'm being honest, that's about me and the players, it's not about the game. I really try and try and distance myself and say, do you know what? It was a game I advertised and people wanted to play it because obviously that attracted them to it, but I could possibly vet my players better and kind of get players who want to play it for different reasons and maybe make the game how I want it to be rather than stress about people are going to abuse the system. So yeah, I think there's merit in saying that, you know, I, I'm always on the lookout for that one system that we can play and that we can run and stick to that one system and I'd like to get to know, um, I don't know D&D fairly well, um, second edition being the one I probably know the best um, when I go back to it. Maybe third edition, maybe slightly more, it's hard to say. Um, but, you know, I do kind of want to get back into grips something like GURPS and stuff and really kind of focus on running those those sort of one systems. Um, Jason, thank you for inviting me as well to um, Che's game. Uh, I don't know if I'm able to make it on the weekends. Weekends are always a bit dicey with negotiating with my wife, but it'd be nice to, to play a GURPS game again and kind of get that experience of playing it again. I think I said in my other previous podcast, the other thing I don't like about GURPS, and this comes from a highly irrational sense of my brain, it's the fact it runs on a D6 system and I don't get to use my D20s and my D8s and my d12s and things i do remember back in the 90s like i said when my brother did it he kind of felt the same and he actually hacked gurps to where he changed the weapon damage to different dice types um, especially at higher levels because like rolling rolling loads of d6 for weapons again there isn't really rationality behind it i think it's like you know when you play D, &D you can roll 10 d6 fireballs but for some reason rolling it for energy weapons and gurps didn't feel right i think it's because the number of times you do it so we kind of hacked it. And so I might be tempted, if I do play it and I still feel that way about the D6 system, I could hack it and change it. You know, we could even change the 3D6 roll for a D20 roll. Makes it more inherently swingy, but again, it depends on your group as to whether they're happy with that, you know. I used to try and design 3D6 systems thinking I kind of like the normal distribution, but then I'm not always sure I do. There's something fun about, you know, rolling the 1s and 20s with a fairly regular basis, um, which is it doesn't happen so much with the 3 ones or the 3-6s. But, you know... Horses for courses, I guess I just try it out and see how it goes, but you know, I don't have anything massively against it as such, and it is a bit one of those. I know logically in my brain, it doesn't really matter that much, is it just a thing? Because I've got these polyhedrals I like to use, and I could always just save those for D&D when I will invariably play that again in the future. I don't really know if that made any sense whatsoever, but that's kind of my thoughts on a one-game system for the moment and again you know people jump in give me your comments which ones do you play the things i've never played um as a generic one is the my just basic fantasy rpg it's more fantasy related but you know things like that i'd like to sort of give some of those a go and um, so i've played that sort of core system from a call of cthulhu point of view um when i helped develop open legend the idea of that was it's meant to be quite generic and universal technically i don't think it was don't tell a designer i said that <clears throat> it felt much more fantasy or modern fantasy orientated a lot of the sort of attributes you had in it were very much like magical power related in some ways it didn't really to me fit like a gritty noir setting wouldn't really work with it uh you know like a modern SBDI setting didn't really quite fit with it it was more designed for things where magic was in some way involved so you could do it for like you know steampunk you could do it kind of in a way for cyberpunk and uh, you could do it for like futuristic settings with you know psionics and things in it but it didn't really fit like hard sci-fi etc quite so much i did sort of do a cthulhu hack with it at one point in time um 
but yeah i guess that's my kind of rumbling thoughts on this matter so i'll stop now because i've been going on for 10 minutes and you know feel free to phone in with your comments any questions any disagreements any other systems you think which work quite well as a generic system you know any thoughts about whether you should specialize whether we should waste the time going around all these different systems or if you really should stick to one and concentrate on mastering it which i think is probably a good point from a gm point of view if you're a player i'd say get as much experience as you can and um, but let me know so Usual contacts, either hit me up in here, get onto Anchor.fm and drop me a message, or you can email me at gmshadow at hotmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at gmshadow. So until next time, keep up the good work and keep on gaming.